When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm here with Timmy Popovich and Eric Mulher, as per the usual. Well, boys and girls, we've got uh, we've got the national championship in the books. We recapped that last week. We got that episode out. So now we are in for what we are describing as our end of season award show slash superlatives is that right timmy like what are we actually going to title this yeah everybody needs to have their uh you know best tuxedo t-shirt on you know we're in the ballroom of the hotel we're handing out some awards uh with some good categories and uh it should be a lot of fun All some right. of these awards you're not going to want to come pick up <laughs> well, uh, I'm ready for it. I'm pumped up. Got some answers to these categories here. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what's happening. Eric, how you doing, man? You ready for this? I am. I'm I'm good. I'm uh, I'm ready. Let's do this. This should be fun. It, it's occasionally nice to to not talk about football and talk about some like football adjacent stuff uh, and and just make it a little more interesting than just recapping games and X's and O's and stuff like that. So let's do it. Agree. All right. Well, so what we're going to do, Timmy, uh, we've talked about this, but our listeners haven't heard it yet. So I'm going to kick it over to you and let you host this award show. And uh, I will stop you at, or well, you know, not stop you, but I'll interject at some point to tell our listeners about our corporate sponsors. But uh, until then, yeah, man, take it away. Let's do it. All right. So one little tidbit of information I didn't let you guys in on. Um, I mentioned that I would not be giving uh, my award recipients. Um, And the reason behind that is because in the true spirit of the South End Zone podcast, we have to have a competition. So (laughs) I'm going to be keeping score of your answers. Um, Whoever I feel gives the best answer uh, for the award topic is going to get a point. Uh, we have 10 topics posted here that we're going to go over, but I do have an 11th surprise tiebreaker if it comes to it. So I uh, hope you guys are ready to bring some heat and uh, come out on top. Oh, Snuck I'm ready. In on us. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, so we're going to go with the uh, first award of the night uh, is aptly titled the Notre Dame assistant coach leaving a recruits house only to see the Brian Kelly has left your ass award, uh, AKA the biggest surprise of the year. 
so the criteria could be pretty much anything, a team, a player, a coach, a performance. You know, this is a general kind of, you know, what was the biggest surprise of the entire year for you? Um, and I'm going to kick it over to Eric for his award recipient first. Okay, so my uh, nominee for the Notre Dame assistant coach leaving a recruit's house only to see that Brian Kelly left your ass award. Uh, as tempting as Brian Kelly was, I'm going to veer slightly off course from that, and I'm going to go ahead and say what surprised me the most was Lincoln Riley bouncing for USC less than 24 hours after a conference title game play-in in the Bedlam game uh, that they lost. He's one of those guys that I would have said at the beginning of the year was like one of those four or five guys who's basically unpoachable. Like no one's going to come swoop in and and pull him away from that school. Like so, guys like Saban, uh, Kirk Ferentz, Kirby Smart, those are guys who are no one's going to come just get those guys out of their current job. They're not going to leave for greener pastures. And at the beginning of the year, I would have put Lincoln Riley in that category as well. Uh, clearly, he does not belong in there. But that was my biggest surprise of the year. So you're giving the Lincoln Riley ejection an eight on the scale of, oh my God, I just shit my pants. What happens? Yeah, yeah, I'm giving him a solid eight, maybe eight and a half. And I think the Norwegian judge gave him a nine. Ooh, spicy. <laughs> All right, Jason, what do you say? <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna like go a little bit off the rails here because I, I got to be honest, like this, like. I sort of saw it coming, but I didn't see like the level that it got to coming. Uh, I'm going to go with the Ole Miss goes on the road to Tennessee, and Tennessee fans are apparently still really, really big mad at Lane Kiffin. And not only do they litter the field with you know water bottles, God knows what else, all kinds of shit. Stop play for twenty minutes. Kiffin gets hit with a golf ball. Like, <laughs> like Tennessee fans just completely shit themselves and apparently show their true colors and are just still super big mad at Lane Kiffin for leaving them in the dust all those years ago that he did. So that to me was the most surprising sort of reaction that I saw this year. Um, and then to boot, they lost the game. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> to go a little salt in the wound. Yeah. A little salt in the wound. But you know, like I said, somebody got a lucky shot in on Kiffin, hit him with a golf ball. So, you know, of course then Kiffin trolled him and wrote the score on the golf ball and tweeted it. So <laughs> yeah, that golf ball is 100% on his desk right now. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So I, I just want to ask all the Tennessee fans why they harbored the animosity. I mean, he was the coach there fucking like what? 10 years ago. Kid me. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you, man, they're all still big mad. Like they're, they're furious still. Like they felt like, you know, yeah. Kiffin, he had a really like, promising year that year almost beat alabama and then just ejects for the usc job and they're still big mad man like you can go find youtube videos of people burning lane kiffin shirts (laughs) i'm serious i'll put some in the group chat later yeah so i watched that game and it was first off it was a fantastic game it was really it was a lot of fun to watch uh even like everything before that but what gets me about the 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 entire stadium going apeshit and throwing stuff on the field is they were mad about a call that I think that I still think was correct. Yeah. Like that's what gets me the most as like, if you want to be mad that, that an official blew like a game changing call, like I, I get being mad about that. I don't 
necessarily condone, you know, throwing shit at people, but I would get why you're upset. But I, I think the spot was good. I thought the spot was good then. And I think, I think the spot was good now. He was short. Well, at least they did it in big style. I think it was 10 years of just, it's gotta be. Yeah. 10 years of just hatred and built up frustration. So I don't know. Well, announcing the winner of this category, we're going to open the envelope and it is Tennessee is big mad folks. Jason with the point. Yes. Yes. (sighs) Yeah. I think I'd have to, I'd have to say that one was a little bit bigger surprise to me. Because I kind of had some, you know, rumblings about Lincoln Riley in, in the beginning of the year and later on in the year. So I think the writing was on the wall there. And, you know, just like you guys talked about with the reaction of the Tennessee fans, like that just came out of nowhere. Um, you know, pent up 10 year frustration. Like, what the fuck is that? Get out of here. It's a bad beat. It's a really, really bad yep. beat. All right. So the next uh, award category is titled and the band is on the field (laughs) and this is going to be geared around what was the biggest upset of the year so jason you go ahead and take first crack uh well i've got three options here but the you know i didn't really understand the format until now so biggest upset of the year it's easy man kansas over the longhorns book it i mean 30 and a half point favorite and they lose at home to the jayhawks I mean, what are we talking about? Like that, that's an all-time like loss for Texas at home. I mean, (laughs) and to boot like a walk-on backup fullback that hasn't sniffed the field all year catches the game-winning touchdown like to seal it. I mean, it just, yikes. I mean, if you're a Texas fan, you're just completely and utterly just dejected and just, we suck. So I think we all had a collective meltdown in the group chat while that game was coming to an end. Yes. I mean, you know, that to me would be the biggest upset of the year. And uh, I'll I'll save my close second for I don't know what Eric's going to pick, but I've got a couple of more that I would throw out there. So let's. All right. Eric, what do you got? Uh, My pick is what I think is probably Jason's close second. And that's another 30.5 point road underdog uh and that would be bowling green state university going into minnesota yes and coming out with a 14 to 10 win against the boat rowers yes uh and that that one that one made jason sweat for about six weeks on his his over seven and a half those motherfuckers or over eight or whatever it was i can't believe that that yeah it was over seven so that yeah, that was that was definitely my close second, and uh, my close third that I was going to throw out was uh, Washington losing to Montana in Week One. <laughs> Ooh, oh, good man, one! Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh one. Yeah. yeah, yes. Uh, don't forget about it because they were a twenty-four and a half point favorite. Home favorite. Yeah, that that's what yep. started the uh, the Hubert hype. Let's go. They still haven't put him in, by the way. Nope, he's still riding the pine, holding the clipboard. Yeah, that's fucking weak. <laughs> Yeah, I'd forgotten about that one just because just because of the rest of their season was such a shit show. I'd I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah, as much as I want to rub it in Jason's face and say that the Bowling Green over Minnesota is the biggest upset of the year, I just can't bring myself to do it. It's got to be Kansas over Texas. Like, are you fucking kidding me, Texas? That that one was just like unthinkable to me. Longhorn Nation, we're back. 
so going on to the third category, this is the Conor McGregor Who the Fook is That Guy Award. And this is the player that came out of nowhere to have a great year. Um, so, Eric, I'll let you go first on this one. So I'm going to go with a guy who literally nobody uh, probably had heard of at the beginning of the year because he was a transfer from Houston Baptist, uh, where he was a three-year starter, and he was going to a group of five school. Uh, 5,976 yards and 62 touchdowns later, uh, Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky. Anytime you, you can describe your season with the five words, broke Joe Burrow's record four, and then fill in the blank, um, you had a, a pretty otherworldly year. So uh, you average 459 and five touchdowns a game. Uh, you know, there are a couple of plays away from, from beating UTSA twice and winning their conference and going to uh, maybe a little bigger bowl. But there were, I caught a couple of their games. They were a lot of fun to watch. And he was, uh, he was quite entertaining and had a great season. The old Hilltoppers coming in on the postseason award show. Couldn't have talked me into that at the beginning of the year. Well, there you go. Jason, nope. how about you, man? No, nope, but you're about to be down 3-0, Eric, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh-oh. Stop. I'm going to tell you why, because I'm going to bring up a guy who uh, caught, uh, let's see, 15 balls between 2019 and 2020. Couldn't even fucking crack the depth chart at Ohio State. His name's Jameson Williams. He transfers to Alabama and proceeds to have a 79-catch, 1,572-yard, 15-touchdown season, and he's a projected top-10 pick depending on his injury. So comes out of nowhere. Nobody even knows who the fuck that guy is and shows up and just completely dominates the entire country, becomes the top wide receiver that's draft eligible. All right. The, uh, the envelope is in. This one goes to Bailey Zappi because I still don't know who the fuck that guy is. (laughs) There you go. And Jason's getting docked a point for going with the Alabama homerism. So get the fuck out of here. That's bullshit. This is rigged. Eric's right. This is rigged. What the fuck? Well, it may or may not be rigged. I don't know. But... (laughs) Bullshit. Jokes aside, I really still never really knew anything about this guy Eric brought up, but when he mentioned the fact that he broke a bunch of Joe Burrow's records, that's still pretty impressive, uh, I must say. So I think that one warrants warrants some attention. I'm not even sure this guy's a real person. Like, Eric, I think he just made up those numbers. If I was going to make up the numbers, I, I don't know that I would have made up numbers that were quite as ridiculous as 5,900 yards and 62 touchdowns. I would have gone, you know, if I was trying to sneak one by you guys, I would have come up with something a little less outrageous. Yeah, I don't think Eric uh, has ever been accused of uh, misciting stats. That's true, given that he's got gray sports almanac in his back pocket. This is true. So, moving on to the next category. This is the Please Ask Me After Award. And this is the best coaching performance of the year. So, Jason, you got first stab at this one, man. It's easy. You know, and I know everybody's going to, oh, Dave Aranda or, you know, whoever fucking ESPN darling you want to come up with. But I'm telling you right now, if you're looking anywhere other than Arkansas and Sam Pittman, you're crazy. Three and seven. Three and seven last year. Comes out this year, goes nine and four. And according to, uh, 
all those brilliant minds at ESPN, they played the number five toughest schedule in the country. Their opponents' records were uh, 90 and 75. And he goes nine and four this year. Beats Penn State in a bowl game. Like, to me, best coaching performance of the year. Like, it's fucking hard to win at Arkansas. I don't know if you guys realize how difficult it is to win there. It's extremely difficult. I mean, go back and look over the last 30 years. How many people were able to consistently win there? I mean, he may fall off this year again, but if you go nine and four at Arkansas, like you're doing something fucking right in the coaching realm. So that's my guy, Pittman. All right, Eric, you have a chance to steal a free point if you say something even in the realm of actuality. Go. Okay. Despite Jason's preemptive strike at Dave Aranda, uh, he is, he edges out Shane Beamer for me. Uh, Baylor had a, 5.5 5.5 Vegas total going into the year. Uh, we didn't even talk about them in the Big 12 preview because nobody gave a shit about Baylor. They go out, they split with Oklahoma State, they beat Oklahoma, they win the Big 12, they finish 12 and 2. You know, and this is year two of of the guys' tenure there. Uh, no one really saw it coming. I, you know, they're probably going to be like Arkansas and probably like South Carolina and fall back a little bit to reality. But getting Baylor to a New Year's Six Bowl as a Power Five champ. Uh, this season, uh, to me, was the most impressive coaching job of the year. So you're gonna hate on uh, you're gonna hate on Pittman after two of his four losses were to Bama and Georgia. Uh, I'm not hating on him. I'm just saying I don't think he did as good a job as Dave Aranda. I'm a I'm a Pittman fan. I, we've talked about him. Yeah, if Arkansas I mean, played Baylor's schedule, they're fucking twelve and zero this year. Well, I just peeked inside the envelope, and you're both fucking wrong because it's Shane Beamer. <laughs> but such a homer. <laughs> I'm going to have to give this one to Eric. I agree. Dave Aranda and Baylor had a great year that was well above expectations. God Not saying damn. that Pittman and the Razorbacks didn't have a good year despite, you know, what what they were projected to do, but I I just think that Baylor and Aranda did it a, a lot better than, you know, Pittman did. Well, so I, I'm not disagreeing with like they had a really good season, okay? But like it's easier to win at Baylor than it is at Arkansas. Like, that's my argument. Like, two years ago, Baylor won like 11 games and then, you know, choked it off the year after that, or three years ago, sorry, because last year was, uh, 2020 was Dave Aranda's first season and they stunk. But the year before that, they won like 11 games. They were really fucking good. So it's not hard to win at Baylor like it is Arkansas. That's why I gave Pittman the edge. Wasn't necessarily like a slight to, to, to Aranda or, you know, the, the job he did. I've said this year, like I thought, you know, fuck, he's probably deserving of coach of the year, but yeah, easier to win there than Arky. That's all I'm saying. I hear that side of the argument, but I think for me, it wasn't just that Baylor, you know, exceeded expectations, but they won the damn conference. You know what I mean? So, well, they shouldn't have weight. If if Gundy knew anything about play calling, then they wouldn't have won the conference. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Gundy Gundy screws you again. Get you a a doctor point. Shocker. All right. Uh, Moving on next, we got the They Are Who We Thought They Were award. And this is the most surprising outcome of the year. So, Eric, take this one away. They are who we thought they were. Okay, so this was my initial reaction to this question. And now, knowing this little rule wrinkle that you put in place, I'm probably giving away a point here. But I'm going to stick with 
my original answer. The most surprising outcome of the year was the Wake Forest Demon Deacons averaging 41 points a game. You just lost to, all your points. <laughs> on the way to an 11-3 and record, a uh, spot in the conference championship game, and a win in the Gator Bowl. You can't tell me you saw that coming. <laughs> Fair enough. Jason? Wake Forest, I mean, do I even have to like... Do I even have to give an answer? Is this just like an automatic loss for I, No, I don't think you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm writing a red X next to my in my notes right now. Uh, well, uh no, mo- most surprising outcome of the year for me, uh it, it amounts to a guy that we just absolutely spent the whole offseason destroying, and that's Jim Harbaugh. Like Michigan beating oh, Ohio man. State to me, is the biggest surprise of the year. Like, I I would have bet my life savings 10 times that Michigan State would not have beat Ohio State this year. So, that happening, I don't think anything's more surprising than that. Like, he's never beat them. He's never even fucking come close to beating them. And this year, they'd go out and beat them like a drum in the snow and win the Big Ten. <laughs> like, to me, Michigan and them beating Ohio State was the biggest surprise, period. Man, I gotta say, those, those are those are two really good ones, and uh, the envelope says that this one's a tie. <laughs> You're both gonna get a point for that one because at the beginning of the year, if you'd have told me that Wake Forest would have played in the ACC championship game, I'd have told you you were fucking nuts. <laughs> and then. On the same token, if you'd have told me that Jim Harbaugh would have been coaching in the college football playoffs, I'd have told you you were fucking nuts. Are you kidding me? Both of these were just insane at the beginning of the year. So I agree with both of you that, you know, I t- those things I took were over. <laughs> I took over seven on Wake and you spent eight weeks telling me I was nuts. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. There, hey, take it easy now. We, we took over seven. I agreed with you. We you're, both you're said right, Timmy right. was wrong. Yeah, but I don't think you took over seven with the caveat that they would play in the ACC championship but, game. No. I think you were trying to squeak that eight wins out of yeah. them any way you could. No, absolutely not. There's no way. I mean, I took Clemson no. to win the national championship. So, no, obviously not. Yeah, when I said over seven, I was like, yeah, if things break right, I could see them going eight and four yeah. you know, in a week conference and their schedule. But, yeah, no, I didn't Fucking think 11 ten wins win was team in the card. Here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, before we move forward real quick, I do want to take a second and talk to our listeners about our corporate sponsor. Uh, we'll go ahead and get this out of the way before we move forward into our next category. Uh, boys, I don't know if, uh, well, I know some of you, I know you've all been watching, uh, the playoffs, the NFL playoffs. They're here and Timmy, sorry about your boys. They, uh, it was a good run for big Ben, but, uh, it's all over. So we'll see who, you know, Kenny Pickett, anyone for the Pittsburgh Steelers, anyone, but yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> so we'll see, but, uh, the NFL playoffs are here and they've been good so far. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you still got something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving away, giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. 
Bet just $5 and win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN. This wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Timmy, uh, kicking it back over to you for our next category, man. Hit me with it. All right, so checking in. We got five awards left. Looking at the scoreboard, we're all tied up at three. So we're going into the third quarter here with a field goal piece. So let's keep it frosty, boys. It's like the Big Ten. Uh, yeah, yeah. Iowa, Penn State here, anybody? Or the national championship, anyone? Yeah. Yeah. The next award is titled the We Couldn't Do Diddly Poo Award in the Jim Moore vein. This is the most disappointing year by a team or a player. Um, so, Jason, you go ahead and take first crack at this one. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. You know, I was going to come out here and talk about the Iowa offense and how putrid they were, but I they didn't have the expectations that uh, that my boys did. Clemson. Clemson, I picked them to win the national championship. I picked DJU to win the Heisman. I feel like a complete moron. For about nine of the 13 college football weeks this year, they were absolutely putrid on offense. I'm not going to talk bad about their defense because their defense was good all year long, pretty competitive, but they were on the field the entire game all year long. Uh, DJU threw nine touchdowns to 10 picks this year. Their offense was absolutely fucking garbage. So. Biggest underachiever of the year. Just couldn't do diddly poo offensively. We suck. The Clemson Tigers and Dabo Sweeney take the cake. All right. That's a solid entry, Eric. Let's go. What you got? So my rebuttal to that is I believe Clemson won 10 games. They did. They did. About nine of which was due to their defense. Uh, I, well, I would argue, yeah, maybe 10 of them. Um. <laughs> I my selection uh, was a team that did not win ten games. Um, they in fact lost ten games. They were two and ten. Indiana uh, was that it? And that would that would be Indiana preseason ranked Indiana. Uh, and if you want to talk about putrid offense in twelve games, uh, they managed two hundred and seven points. Which uh, just some quick seventeen uh, ish a game. You kidding me? Has anybody figured out who was masquerading as Michael Penix this year? I don't know. I feel like I just need to concede defeat here. Like that. Indiana scored Indiana scored 10.5 points per game offensively in Big Ten play. Ugh. They had a nine and a half win total from Vegas coming into the season. <laughs> yeah. And I think we took the over. <laughs> Well, we did. We both took it. I actually went back and checked that. We did both take it. And the only caveat to that is I said on paper they should go over, but I think they could be one of those teams that underachieves this year. However, I did not mean by underachieving them only winning two fucking games. Yeah. Yeah. The envelope is in, and Eric gets the point for this one. 
Um, yeah. Indiana was definitely a huge disappointment. And I will concede that Clemson was also a huge disappointment, but they had a different scale. Um, you know, they had playoff aspirations, national championship aspirations. But like Eric said, they still ended up winning 10 games. And if it wasn't for Wake Forest having a freak show of a year, they're still representing their side of the conference in the championship game. So, um, Indiana definitely takes the cake on that one. Yeah, I think Indiana was last in the Big Ten. I don't know how they couldn't be. Man, yeah. I didn't even think about Indiana until you started to talk. I was like, damn, he's going to pick Indiana. The honorable mention that also would have been awarded an instant point would have been Dr. Thunder. Anybody? He was tempting. I did think of it. He he crossed my mind. uh, Eric should be docked a point for picking him to win the Heisman. Preseason, like two to one odds to win the Heisman. (laughs) Fucking nobody's even heard of him now. Now he plays for South Carolina and Beamerville. Wait for it. (sighs) All right, moving on to the next award. This is the Gus Johnson losing his mind award. Um, I think we can all hear him screaming in the back of our minds right now as I read this. But this is the best game of the year. So, Eric, take this one away. Old Miss, 52, Arkansas, 51 in week seven. Over. As a back and forth. Well, yeah, and the over hit um, easily. I think the over hit midway through the third quarter. Uh, two lead changes, five ties. Uh, that was the game, Arkansas. Uh, they went eight, uh, 75 yards and eight plays in the last minute seven to get a touchdown on the last play of the game. They had an untimed down for the two-point play. Uh, they elected to go for two and the win on the road. Uh, couldn't quite, couldn't quite get that one in nine different players scored touchdowns and it is a game that featured almost 1300 total yards of offense. Uh, each, each team ran for over 300 yards, uh, collectively they passed for 613 and ran for 674. So all due respect to the red river game, which would have been my runner up and was actually happening at the same time. So I missed most of it. Uh, that was my favorite game of the year. All right. Solid pick Jason rebuttal uh i'm gonna go with his secondary the the red river shootout man that uh i don't think there was a more exciting game than that this year final score 55 to 48 uh texas was up 38 to 20 at halftime and just completely shit in their hats in the second half and mainly the fourth quarter uh the fourth quarter looked like this field goal oklahoma makes it uh 33 41 texas and then followed by two touchdowns by Oklahoma for them to go up 48-41. to Texas ties it with a minute and 23 left, and that is followed by Kennedy Brooks streaking down the sideline and taking a 55-48 to lead with three seconds to go. And literally, Gus Johnson was losing his fucking mind because he was calling the game. So... That game, I mean, you talk about lead changes like Oklahoma scored 25 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, Bijan Robinson for Texas went off 137 yards and a touchdown. It just, it, it was absolutely fucking crazy. Like Spencer Rattler, you know, threw the ball 15 times, didn't do shit really, threw a pick. Caleb Williams comes in in the second half and goes off and you know, comes back and wins the game for Oklahoma. It was really Caleb Williams coming out party. So give me the Red River shootout as the best game of the season. All right. Uh, The envelope says that Jason gets the point here. Red River definitely takes the cake. 
that game was an absolute shit show. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, it was. And if memory serves me correctly, wasn't that the week before Texas lost to Kansas? No, no. Oklahoma, or, uh, yeah, they beat TCU a week before they lost to Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, they were, Texas was 4-1 and one when they played Oklahoma, and that opened up a string of six straight Yeah, losses. that was the beginning of the demise for Texas. We just got our ass totally kicked. All those losses, I, or at least the majority of those losses, also included blown second-half leads. Like, I know yes. they blew one against Baylor. I'm Oklahoma trying to think State. of who else. Oklahoma State. Yeah, they were up, I think, 18 on Oklahoma State in the third quarter. Hold on. The producer's whispering something in my ear. Oh, Texas, you suck. We suck. <laughs> Moving on we to the next suck. award. This is the uh, Herm Edwards You Play to Win the Game Award. And this is the coach with the most to prove going into next year. Uh, so, Eric, take this one. You play to win the game. Oh, I'm going first again? Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, this one's easy. Scott Frost. Uh, Ooh, interesting. This doesn't get this. It doesn't get any more make or break than Scott Frost 2022. Um, he is in, I think, the exact same position Jim Harbaugh was in a year ago to include the restructured contract. Uh, that is basically, hey, this is your last chance. We won't fire you right now. But he basically traded off um, a little bit of money to keep his job. His his buyout goes down, so it is easier to fire him. So he's really pushing all his chips into the table. So they went three and nine. And I think personally, I don't think just bowl eligible gets it done. I don't think six and six keeps him safe. I think he's got to go at least seven and five. And I think there's reason to think he can do that based on how they played this year. Uh, Nebraska's weird. It's kind of, they're a team you look at and you can kind of see whatever you want to see. Like if you want to see, if you're looking for a team that is you know, on the edge of being good and, and close to, to getting over the hump, you can see that because they lost close games all over the place to good teams. But if you want to see a team that just is intent on shooting themselves in the foot constantly, you know, you don't have to look very hard either for that uh, because they did that on a continual basis all throughout the year. They went three and nine with a plus 63 point differential. Uh, and that is extremely difficult to do. They were one and eight in the conference with a zero point differential. So they scored and allowed the same exact amount of points and lost eight out of nine games. So uh, eight of their losses were by eight points or fewer. I think he's one of those guys that could uh, get the Clay Helton treatment next year if he doesn't, you know, win his first couple of games in the right fashion. I don't know about you guys, but Jason, what do you say? All right. My guy with the most approved preseason uh, i'm gonna throw a little shade your way because you were talking about how he's building a fucking monster and i immediately threw cold water on it <laughs> and i proved to be correct because matt campbell is not building a fucking monster i'm tired of hearing about how he's such a great coach and iowa state's so fucking good no they're not last year and the year before that them being decent winning eight nine games that, that, like that's an outlier Really, they're not good, and they're average. And this year, they proved they were average. They were seven and five, and then they went to the bowl game and lost the Cheez It Bowl against a trash offense for Clemson, seven and six on the season, two and four on the road this year. I mean, they're not good. So, to me, like if you're gonna get all this preseason hype and people are gonna talk you up like you're so fucking good, then you need to come out and not lay a giant egg against teams like Northern Iowa in week one 
and then get your shit pushed in in week two by Iowa. And then, I mean, like I said, I think he's just got a lot to prove. Like everybody talks about him like he's, you know, in the mix for these big time jobs and shit like that. And I don't see it. Like to me, they're just an average football team and he's an average coach. So I think if arguably you could say, yeah, sure. They're, he's a good coach and they're happy with him there and they'll keep him there as long as he's willing to stay there. But if you're going to throw him out there for, you know, big time jobs that come open and shit like that, I got to see more. So I'm going to say that Matt Campbell at Iowa State has the most proved to me because I'm tired of hearing about him. Man, I got to let some light in here with all that shade being thrown. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but the envelope says that Eric gets the point. Scott Frost, out of those two, definitely has the most to prove. I would agree with you, Jason, that Matt Campbell does have something to prove, but at the same token, Iowa State is a little bit different expectation-wise than it is at Nebraska, Um, and especially considering uh, Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska. You know, if he doesn't get his shit together, like I said a minute ago, he's going to get the Clay Helton treatment, and he's going to be living on the streets in week two. So, well, to be fair, uh, the the only reason that the expectations are different is because Nebraska fans are deluded. Uh, would would they be someone that you would think would know anything? <laughs> the expectations not being reasonable doesn't mean they don't exist. <sighs> Correct. Uh, well, okay, fair enough. I'll I'll give it to you. That's fine. All right, moving on to the uh, the next award. This is the Are you fucking kidding me award? And this is categorized as the worst play call or decision by a coach this year. So, Jason, take this one. Uh, well, I'm going to th- – this one was tough for me. I'll be honest. This was the toughest one for me. So, I'm going to just go back to the well and pick a guy that I just – oh, God, man. Like, if I could pick one guy who has screwed me out of more money, it's this guy. My God, that's Mike Gundy's music. (laughs) (laughs) My God, is that Gundy? That is Gundy. And when you've got the ball on the four-yard line and it's first and goal and the Big 12 championship is on the line and you make four just, God, I'm not going to go into detail of what kind of play calls they were and why they sucked because if you want to go, just look look at it yourself like you can find it on youtube and you'll be just as appalled as everybody else like he had a chance to win the big 12 and he choked it off ultimate choke job first and goal from the four and you can't gain four yards against fucking baylor textbook gundy all right this wouldn't be a a south end zone podcast without jason throwing shade at gundy indeed he sucks so eric what do you got man uh, this was not difficult for me. This is one of the easier choices on the slate for me because I immediately thought to how Manny Diaz managed the end of the game against Virginia. Woo, son. <laughs> um, oh, man. So to kind of set the scene, uh, Virginia leading 30 to 28 with five and a half minutes left. They punt. The ball is down at Miami's nine yard line. And then they put together. So this is the game Tyler Van Dyke came in and really kind of entrenched himself as a starter. He played really well. He leads him down the field and with two Oh five left, uh, they get a big run first and 10 at the Virginia 14 yard line with two Oh five. Uh, and then the last two minutes of this game were a, a complete masterclass 
poor coaching and poor game management and clock. He sat on the fucking ball. So neither team, (sighs) neither team did anything for 30 seconds. Like I was sitting there, I was watching this game because it was one of my picks. Um, and I was waiting for for Virginia to call a timeout. It was like they're they're in field goal range. They're going to take the lead. Like, what do you you need time? Like, call timeout. So they snap on first and ten with a minute thirty four, and they run this completely just ineffectual half assed run right up the middle for no gain. And then Virginia calls timeout uh, with one twenty eight. Second and ten, same thing. Now Virginia's out of timeouts, and what does Miami do? They run the clock down to forty two seconds, and on third and ten. They take a negative two-yard quarterback kneel. Uh, he kind of took the snap and took a couple steps to his left to center the ball and then just went down. Uh, and then they ran the clock down to three seconds and attempted a 33-yard field goal, which they deservedly missed to lose the Biffed game. it. First and 10. And in two minutes, they managed to, well, two minutes and two seconds, they managed to lose two yards and make zero effort to score. So... You got the ball first and 10 at the 14 with two minutes left, and you settle for a 33-yard field goal. You deserve to lose. Agreed. And that one definitely gets the point. Your Honor, I would like to claim conflict of interest here because it's well known <laughs> that Timmy hates Virginia. And anytime they no, win, no, that, he's going to be pissed That's irrelevant. That's <laughs> irrelevant. not irrelevant. I was watching this game when it – no – I was watching this game, and UVA being in the game had no effect on that whatsoever. I'm just watching the game, and I'm like just stunned that Manny Diaz is sitting on the ball, like Eric said, with two minutes, and they're on the 14-yard line. I'm like, you have to punch it in here and then play some defense on the back end. Like You can't just let your kicker take a shot at it because kickers miss, especially in college. I was just aghast at that decision, and... You know, like you said, deservedly so, he biffed the field goal and they choked it off. So that one's an easy one for me. I'm sorry. Well, you can uh, rest assured I'll be filing my appeal quick, fast, and in a hurry. But uh, I would also like to throw in an honorable mention here would be Kirk Ferentz punting the ball uh, and basically giving up with nine minutes in the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, was, one, a, that was awful. Yeah, that one deserves a little bit of consideration here. But I'm actually going to give you a point for bringing that one up. <laughs> Thank you for jogging my memory. I think I deserve one there. He just quit. He gave up. Like, I was, I mean, what? You, you're just quitting with nine minutes left? You're just done. You're going to quit and punt well, the ball? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I remember in the group chat, I was like, well, I'm turning this off because if Kirk Ferentz is quitting, then I am too. Yeah. Like, because I was watching at that point. That was just like a, a an utter poor performance of sportsmanship. He was just like, fuck it. I'm ready to leave. Yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> fuck this. Yeah. Warm up the bus, literally. Yeah, our, yeah. our offense now, is so bad. I literally know that we have no chance to score. <laughs> no, or, I'm not even going to try. Or get a first down. So I'm just not even going to try. I'm going to pray that Michigan throws me a pick six. Like, what are we? Oh, God. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the uh, the last category here. This is the Mac Brown Stunned Face Award. If anybody remembers the meme that came out of the Virginia Tech game in week <laughs> one of him just standing on the sideline looking like a buffoon getting his ass kicked. Uh, this is the team most likely to be overhyped in the preseason, only to become a giant tire fire next year. So, Eric, take this one first. Uh, my pick was NC State, and I was a little 
reluctant just because I was down on them this year and they had a really good season. But uh, we talked about it last week. They they showed up uh, in one of the way too early top 25 polls at, I believe, number eight or nine. And just, no, absolutely not. They, giant tire fires, kind of subjective, but no, they are not going to, they're not going to be in the ACC championship game again. They're not going to be, because I, I think they're the highest ranked team in that poll uh, in the ACC. And I've seen a couple the others they where, were. I've seen a couple others where they're in that sort of same range, kind of that eight to 12 range. And I'm just, I'm not buying it. All right, Jason, what do you got? Oh, I got an easy point here. I can tell you right now, it's motherfucking Jim Harbaugh. That's who it is. He's going to get all kinds of preseason hype. Oh, Big 12 champs, Jim Harbaugh, playoffs. Oh, yeah, he's going to be so good. Yeah, he's going to come your, in. Your answer is way better. Probably in the top five, and they're going to get their shit pushed in. I'm calling it. Like Ohio State boat races them. Right, like book it. You can write this down now. Ohio State beats them by three touchdowns in 2022. Ooh. Chalk it up. All right, where's where's our statistician keeping uh keeping record of this shit? Yeah, three touchdowns, like chalk it up. It's in the shoe next year. It's gonna get fucking ugly. No, those are those are both really good uh, teams. I, yeah, um, I gotta be honest. I like your answer better because I agree with no, everything you said. What I was gonna say is, is I don't think the preseason hype is gonna follow NC State all the way to the beginning of the year. I think they'll probably end up. Still in the top twenty-five of the preseason rankings and come out and biff it, but I don't think they'll stay in the top ten. But Michigan definitely will be in that upper tier where they're at right now, and I agree with Jason. I I think we talked about it last week that it doesn't work out in Harbaugh's favor with the preseason hype, and he's liable to choke it off to some non-conference team at the beginning of the year and just go spiraling downhill from there. So we'll see. And with that, that's the end of the posted categories. But since we are tied at six apiece, uh, I did have a tie-breaking category prepared. So please hold. So this one doesn't have a uh, aptly named title, but this one is going to go with over the years, uh, which team has had the best sideline trophy award for a big play or turnover? Um, and I'll give it to Jason first. Is this best, like actual best, or like the worst that we get the most entertainment out of? That's totally up to you, man. Oh, well, it's easy. It's when Butch Jones was at Tennessee and they had the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? You got a trash can as your sideline like turnover? Like, it's so fitting for Tennessee because they are a trash can. And... Like, that is your sideline turnover award that you're going to throw out? Like, hey, bring out the trash can because we suck. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't understand that sideline, like, prop. I, I don't get it. Like, you know, there's the turnover chain, and, you know, Alabama's got, like, the championship belt, and Georgia's got the savage shoulder pads and all that, and then you've got a trash can. So I don't think they use it anymore. Because Butch Jones obviously got fired, but to me that would be the at least the most entertaining sideline prop I've ever seen would be the trash can. That's a solid entry, Eric. What do you say? This is a tough one for me because I really don't pay too much attention to the the 
the sideline props. Uh, so I guess I'll just take the easy way out and I'll just stick with who I, at least I believe, uh, are the originators. And I'll just say that the Miami hurricanes turnover chain, uh, just because it's, it's very, it's a very Miami thing. Unfortunately for them, they didn't get to wear it enough this year, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess they're my answer. You look at real Miami with your jewelry and your hamburger meat hanging out. Um, but the envelope says that you're both wrong, and the actual award winner goes to, uh, I believe it was Boise State who had the uh, the throne on the sideline. You can go and look it up. It was actually pretty elaborate. Um, I got a big kick out of that. You're talking like an actual throne or like a tournament? Yeah, like an actual throne, like a Game of Thrones throne. I'm not sure what they awarded it for, whether it was turnovers or big plays or what have you, but I do remember seeing it, and I always got a big kick out of it. I'm going to have to look that but up But for the sake no of, of this podcast, Jason has to get the point with the trash can, because uh, that one gives me the most joy. Yes! That's fair. So, Eric wins the picks championship. Jason wins the postseason awards, if you will, uh, seven to six. Boom. So that was a lot of fun, boys. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Jason for any final thoughts or topics he wants to cover. All right. Well, so since this is kind of putting a bow on the 2021 season, does anybody have any, like, I guess, complaints, qualms, the airing of grievances for uh, the 2021 season? Like, we're going to put a bow on it, man. This is it. Like, let's wrap it up. Like, does anybody have anything they want to add to the 2021 season and its uh, finality? Yeah, put a nail in it, man. <laughs> Spoken like a true Virginia Tech fan. On to next That's season. That's right. On on to next year, what, man. What about you, Eric? No, I think I'm good. I think we, uh, I think we got it all, at least for the season. I think next week we're on the hook to talk about some stuff that uh, really more kind of going forward. But as far as 2021 season, yeah, I'm ready to close the book. <sighs> yeah, me too. After a loss in the national title, looking forward. Phew, man. Bama's got a ton of guys coming back. Better get ready, boys. It's going to be a just, yeah, all right. it's going to be just straight up 15 games of murder ball next year. Better get ready for that. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Well, uh, content manager, what are we on the hook for next week? What's our what's our topic next week? Do we have a topic yet? Are we working on that? We do have a topic. Um, so the next couple of weeks are going to be uh, a little more like this, where it's not necessarily football directly. It's more kind of a, what I call football adjacent. Uh, so next week, uh, we're going to talk rules. Um, some rules we like, don't like, and we're going to suggest some changes. So uh, you know, things we'd like to see going forward to maybe make the game uh, a little better, more enjoyable. Not that anyone will listen to us, but uh, we're going to air those grievances all the same. Hmm. Well, I think we also need to add a caveat into that. And I think we need to tweak the rules of our picks and, uh, you know, our bets for next season. I think we need to make it a little bit more interesting. So, uh, well, you'll I'm have to litigate that with- on the side. <laughs> I think I, I'm going to come up with uh, some terms and you guys can either agree or disagree, but uh, you know, it's a good thing I edit these podcasts if you disagree. So, but anyway, all right. So that is going to wrap us up for the week, boys and girls. Uh, you guys can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. Uh, we are available on all major podcast platforms. We'd like to thank our corporate sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, and we will be back with you next week. 
and uh, we will see you then. Thanks for listening. Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day.